Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 20th, 2022. Wait, that's 420. And this is episode 339. Uh, my name is Scott Magnus. And this is Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to go around the bases because we means business. Woof. And we'll also put this one in the bag. And right after we uh, do all that, uh, let's go ahead and get ready to lubricate for the show or just smoke one up, as it were. Um, it's time for the drink of the week. So, Jake, what are you imbibing on uh, this week? I have been working my way through a dark Malbec this week um, and uh, been quite enjoying it. Also purchased a uh, four pack uh, or a couple four packs of Corona Pounders, which I have also been enjoying quietly and deliciously while watching West Coast Baseball. So, Jake, um, I don't have anything this evening, um, but what I have been drinking is uh, I went up to Hopkins Farm Brewery, um, local microbrewery. Um, we'll call it up in like the Havity Grace area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what you would describe that area as. Um, it's a Havity Grace address. Okay. Is it a Havity Grace address? Like I said, I'm, I'm not sure, sure, sure if it was Havity Grace proper because it's certainly not Havity Grace proper from a town standpoint, but from a postal code standpoint, it seems like that's the case. Um, they have a mango pale ale up there, um, and it's called... Uh, the mangoes, um, and uh, it's uh pretty good. It's got uh not quite the orange hint I was hoping for, um, but I I, I do like the uh, the pronunciation and the emphasis of the a's um at the very end uh, of the beer name. I I can't tell whether I love that or hate that. It's probably both. You love it. So, uh, yeah, if you want to know what we are drinking on a weekly basis, check us out on Untapped. You can find me at MEGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And we're going to go ahead and go into the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you grow. Time for your checkup. I'm going to listen to your heart, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, this happened last week, specifically when we were on the podcast where John Means, um, you know, was injured. And what? yeah, John Means was injured. What? Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure I'd heard about that. We assumed the worst. Uh, and it looks like the worst has been confirmed with John Means being moved to the 60 DDL. Um, he's going for a second opinion. But Brandon Hyde basically confirmed that he is not going to be pitching anytime soon and or potentially at all in 2022. Can I perhaps provide a second opinion? Sure. He's fine. He's fine. Everything's fine. So it's, just send him all, in. It's all going to be good. Just send him in. Everything's okay. Yeah. Just absolutely terrible news for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, you know, we saw this last year when John Means went out. Um, what kind of havoc it wrecked on both the starting rotation, but also the, the bullpen as well. Um, and again, I think the second opinion is more so just trying to figure out, is he going to do surgery or is he going to try to rehab through it? Um, I would actually prefer he just go get, go get the surgery now um, so that the recovery period is a little bit quicker. Um, but I guess he's, you know, concerned that that's going to overlap into next year. Um, and then again, it, it comes back to, you know, the dollar value behind it. It's the standpoint of the Orioles decided to take John Means to arbitration um, this year. Uh, he'll be entering into arbitration again next year. I'm assuming he'll get a slight pay bump because of just you know, being in a second year arbitration, 
but he's certainly not going to see a significant increase uh, from an arbitration basis um, going into um, his second year. So, yeah, not a good situation whatsoever, um, both on the field and off the field for John Means. Yeah, it's terrible for John. I mean, you just you have to feel for the player. The other thing that's really frustrating as a fan is you look at the strategy that the Orioles took going into the season. And when you look at the rotation and what's left after John Means exits, uh, there's not a whole lot to work with. And you really wish at this point that the Orioles had put, you know, another veteran starter in there, you know, again, not expecting that they throw up zeros every time, but to take on innings so that we don't have to depend on people that either aren't ready or aren't the solution. Like Spencer Watkins. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I know what people are thinking right now. We are, you know, we'll call it six to seven minutes into the show and people are saying, guys, like the pitching has been great. Like, why are we belaboring the point? And it, I have just have to come back and say, it is such a long season losing John means who was going to be, you know, three to four war, um, pitcher, um, a pitcher that should have given you probably 150 innings minimum. Um, it's a huge loss. It's a huge loss for the organization. And watching John means is fun. Absolutely. Watching John means pitch is a good day. Yeah. It's, it's not, that stressful is the best way to put it. And uh, that's all we can ask for as Orioles fans is not stressful. Well, talk about stress. Uh, did you see this thing that happened this evening? Again, we're talking here on Wednesday, the 20th of April. Uh, Robinson Trinos did not have a great night. Uh, no, he did not. Um, yeah, he took a ball uh, clear off the face um, at, you know, StatCast reported at 92.7 miles per hour. A clip the shoulder, but still a lot of fastball to face. Right. Um, so yeah, he was diagnosed and removed from the game with a facial contusion. Jake, you're familiar with that from American university, correct? Woof. woof. I mean, that's just ugly. Um, just a really bad, um, you know, scenario. I mean, hopefully it's nothing too severe. Um, but I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of Ben boom for, for the next few days. This is not a joke. I promise. Uh, is it my imagination or do the Orioles catchers tend to get pretty beat up? Right. You look at the kinds of injuries that have taken place over the last several years to Orioles catcher. It seems like they're they're really uh, snake bitten. They do have an issue with balls. It seems like I was I was not <laughs> I was not going for the punchline. But yes, I was referring to that. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 interesting because, you know, Ben Boom is probably, I guess, going to get a share of the starts. But, you know, the organization went and got a bunch of catchers that you know might have been in the running to back up adley rutschman and now we're gonna see why yeah i mean speaking of adley rutschman you get no further developments in terms of when he is going to actually hit um norfolk roster um you know michael Elias mentioned this week really close really 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 close um you know soon yeah it'll be it'll be it'll be soon lots of soon but we are now past four weeks, four plus weeks, getting close to five weeks at this point, um, with, we'll call it baseball activity, but nothing in games, um, not even extended spring trainings. So again, I don't want to worry, but I'm worried. <laughs> I I don't think that means what you think it means. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that popped up over the past week, and I think we might have mentioned this last week, was Yusniel Diaz. Mm -hmm. um, you know, tweaked a hamstring. He is on the seven-day IL uh, in, in minor league, once again derailing his career um, for the 38th time. Yeah. 
yeah, hopefully he can stay on the field so we can get a good look at him. Yeah. So, I mean, um, those are the big things that are going about, um, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on it. I mean, I think the the big thing is going to be, where's Adley? Uh, for the next bit, um, I don't think we need to keep an eye too much on on John Means. I mean, I think I think information will come out on John Means. You know, sometime in May is the best way to put it, um, indicating that he's going to go get surgery. And then the big question is going to be this all season: um, Can John Means even potentially be ready for spring training? Which I doubt it, it, it significantly, but fingers crossed. Yeah, here's hoping. Um. All right. Well, with that, um, let's go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right. Our first tweet is going to come from Trill Foden at JJINNJJ. I wish the offense wasn't completely impotent, but half of the game being unwatchable is an improvement from last year when the whole game was unwatchable. It's actually a really good point. I think these are baby steps. These yeah. are important things to point out. I like it. I like it. Uh, next tweet comes from Matt Karaha. You can follow him at Matthew Carhad. Um, he, I believe, is the beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, and he reports A's announced tonight's attendance is at 3,748. I guess my complaining about attendance is no good anymore. I would have thought that the Vuvuzelas would have brought more people into the stands. <laughs> All right, next we've got a tweet that comes from Camden Chat. They tweet, of course, at Camden Chat. And if you're not following them, you're doing this wrong. Uh, The tweet is as follows. Regarding the Orioles broadcast delay, this video clip illustrates it perfectly. You can see that the ball has gotten to the outfield at six seconds. Kevin doesn't get excited that the ball is through until nine seconds. It's unfair to those guys to leave them hanging when there's an easy solution. And then there's a, a, a embedded tweet from the Baltimore Orioles with some video. Scotty, has the delay bothered you yet watching yes. the games? It was terrible today. It was absolutely horrific today. Um, it needs to stop. I mean, I mean, I know the, I know the Angels got caught on it um, earlier. I think this week, yeah, the Orioles need to start. I mean, I understand maybe not sending them out to the West Coast, but this this needs to stop. It, we need to get Kevin Brown on the road. Um, Kevin Brown needs his Hilton points. Um, make it happen. Here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. What about a broadcast with just the Baltimoreans providing commentary? Mm, let's just not let MLB know about it. <laughs> um, all right. Our last tweet comes from Jordan Moore. You can follow him at, at I, Jordan Moore. A $228 million third highest payroll on MLB team just lost to a $37 million lowest payroll on MLB team. I believe their payroll is actually a little bit higher than $37 million with arbitration and everything um, and dead money um, because their $38 million closer walked in a run. The Orioles beating the Yankees because a Rolders Chapman blew it. It is laugh out loud funny. It is kind of laugh out loud. Funny. It is laugh out out funny. And the best part is like, uh, you know, Chapman, um, was wild and every single Yankee fan knew it and they're like this is what's going to happen with this game and for a brief moment a brief few minutes Yankees fans were Orioles fans and Orioles fans were Yankees fans there's nothing better there's nothing better and if you can't derive joy from moments like that shine and Freuda just lean in because it's all we got or if you, you can't take enjoyment out of that I just have to say to you Come on, Mother Epper. <laughs> <laughs> so the Twitter's, as always, plenty entertaining. But 
as we indicated, Orioles baseball somewhat entertaining this week as well. Why don't we take a quick break, come back, and go around the bases and see just exactly what happened. Jake, it finally happened. It finally happened. I'm going to sprint into first base. Super excited and super thrilled. What happened? DJ Stewart designated for assignment. Yes, absolutely he was. Uh, you know, you hate to see a guy lose, lose his job, but we talked about it, I think, uh, when we were talking about the roster a couple weeks ago. He didn't really have a secure place in this team, and he certainly didn't have the kind of performance uh, as far as his past uh, performance was concerned to earn a spot on this team. This was just a matter of when, not if. I, I completely agree. I mean, he was one of my first to go. Um, and as much as I'm celebrating it in terms of, you know, him um, no longer on the roster, there's a still potential that he'd get back into the minors. I, I think it's likely. I do too. I don't think that anybody's going to steal DJ Stewart away from the Orioles. I think that he goes directly back into the system. So the question is like, if he goes to Norfolk, like he can't take it bats away from Kyle Stowers and Robert Newstrom, right? So like, right. where does he play? I, I, Aberdeen? I don't know. I, I don't know either. Extended but. spring? I have no idea. I don't know. And that's the big, big thing of like, I don't want him to go to Norfolk and steal at bats from someone that needs to continue to see at bats. I could also see him as a candidate to be re-signed and then traded away for cash considerations. There's no one going to trade for DJ Stewart. I didn't say how many cash considerations. Oh, okay. I just don't see it. I mean, either, um, I I don't know what the, if he comes back into the organization, I don't know what the team is going to do with him. I just don't know. They'll have DJ Stewart back. And what could be finer than that? I, I, I Let me name the ways. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. The Orioles making the decision that we knew was coming uh, was notable. But it wasn't the only decision that was made this past week. And so here at First Base, I want to talk through some of those decisions. Um, let me start with uh, Trey Mancini. Yep. One of the things that, that I've paid close attention to is what's happening with his positioning. Yep. And in this first early part of the season, he has been primarily the DH, played a couple games at first, played a couple games in the outfield. But if you look at it, Trey Mancini is basically this team's everyday DH with a couple of defensive spots. I agree completely with you um, that I think he is the DH now going forward. And like you said, for the week, um, he was actually playing first base today and he played first base on Saturday, but the rest of the games, he was basically DHing in right field. Um, so I agree. I think, you know, going forward, the majority of our games are going to be out of the DH, um, you know, kind of subtopic off of this. I was talking to someone about this. What has your impressions been of, uh, Brian Mountcastle at first base? I I've been really impressed with it, to be honest with you. See, uh, maybe I don't see it just yet. Cause like I, I watch him out there playing and I just feel like he takes some really weird positions at first base. Um, it doesn't seem like he has quite the stretch as what I've seen from other first basemen. So I'm really interested now. Now you've got me like questioning myself. Yeah, and and usually you've got a, a really sharp eye for this. So I'm going to go back and look. But one of the observations I've yeah. made is that I think his receiving has impressed uh, improved okay. over last year. I, I I agree with this aspect where I feel like his receiving has been better, and that's a whole other topic. Which is like 
some of the balls that are coming from third base and shortstop right now are atrocious. Adventurous. Um, atrociously adventurous. Um, a lot of balls fielded below the waist, um, whereas a first baseman, you generally want it at your shoulder level or above. Um, so a lot of scoops. And I agree with you. Like, Mountcastle's done a really nice job with scoops. Um, I don't know. Like, I just watch it and I'm like... It's not quite what I'm expecting from a first baseman. Now, again, you usually have a very sharp eye on this, so I'm going to go back and, and watch more critically. Yeah. But the thing that that I I noticed is that I didn't feel like I was watching a Mark Reynolds out. Oh, there, right. Like I, you're, you're I watching, agree with that. You're watching a guy whose primary position is first base, and and I think that you know, especially with the fact that he's competing with time uh, for time with uh, the likes of Trey Mancini, he's going to compete uh, with with uh, Adley Rutschman for mm. some of the time when he eventually gets here as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he's a first baseman that can be trusted. Uh, but again, I, I'll, I'll yeah. certainly go back. So and I, I, I think that there's been a few plays that I've watched where I was just like, it's interesting. He's got a definitely, we'll call it quick feet at first base. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say he could ever be a third baseman. Someone said that, Oh, I think he could be a third baseman. It's like, there's no chance. Like, I don't know what you're even looking at um, by saying that. Um, but again, he is okay there. Again, I just don't know. Again, it's the stretch standpoint. It's the aspect of like where he's placing the bag on the base and how he is receiving the ball specifically from his infielders. And especially when the pitcher is feeling the ball and then the pitcher needs to shovel it to him. I just don't know if it's the right positioning is the best way to put it. Um, so I'm going to keep watching that. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I don't claim to be a first base expert whatsoever, but it just... Something seems off to me uh, is the best way to say it. It might be a minor detail, but it's like one of those minor details that I don't think we ever saw during the Buckle of Birds era because that was something that Buck would emphasize heavily on. Um, and I'm wondering if that's just maybe being over overlooked at this point. Hmm. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely keep an eye out for it. The, the other thing, you know, going back to Mancini and his defensive positioning is, you know, to put him in the outfield, which outfield are you taking out of the lineup? Right. And the, the other standpoint is, too, it's not like if he's at Camden Yards, he can play right field. He can't play left field. So it's always going to be right field. Um, I agree. You're you're basically losing out on, you know, you're basically saying, well, if you're going to go to right field, then Santander is more than likely going to be your DH or Santander is going to sit um, accordingly going forward. So yeah, I don't really like um, Mancini at all in right field um, in any stadium. I'd rather just have him continue to just go between, you know, five days at DH, two days at first base, and just make that the new habit. Doesn't help his trade value. I know. And that's how, and that's exactly why I think they're doing it, is to basically highlight that, just like Chris Davis, he is a multi-positional threat, is the best way to put it. Oof. I just hope we don't see him close out games. Yeah. All right. What other decisions have the team been making this week? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about obviously DJ Stewart being, you know, designated for assignment, um, but also putting, um, you know, John Means onto the 60 day DL um, also opens up kind of a 40 man roster spot as well. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, it's interesting that the Orioles have brought up, you know, individuals like Chris Ellis, who I think did much better than we were all expecting Chris Ellis to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's just been interesting to see the Orioles start to manipulate the 40 man roster, just like we thought they'd start manipulating the 40 man roster. And I still think there's room to play. I mean, there's really not areas within the, the bench area specifically, um, anymore. Cause there's only four folks on the bench. Um, and I think they're going to have to add somebody else with Trinos is going to be out for several days. 
but there still seems to be that aspect of there seems to be a little bit of a a feeling out of what the bullpen is going to look like. Certainly, the bullpen's doing great. Uh, I think everyone wants Travis Lakin Senior to be cast into the sun, um, pushed off on an ice floe. And you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but he did throw a lot of innings last year. Maybe not a good reason to keep him. But he did throw a lot of innings. So I definitely think Lakin Sr. would actually be my pick. But again, I don't think he's absolutely completely worthless. Just partially worthless is the best way to put it. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and uh, round first, head into second base. And Scott, I have a question for you. Sure. Is everything okay with Cedric Mullins? So we talked about this last week. And I had concerns coming out of the race series. And then I watched him on opening day. And I'm like, oh, he's fine. I still think he's fine. Like... The way he's approaching it, he, I think he's you know being a little aggressive, but so is every single Orioles hitter right now. But if you look at his StatCast data, I mean, the StatCast data shows that he's putting a good amount of barrels in the ball. He's hitting a lot of line drives. I don't know. Like, I'm really not that concerned. I mean, he's not gangbuster out there and getting robbed left and right, but I don't think it's that bad, honestly. I mean, what do you think? Well, his BAPIP is, I think, 222. Okay, right? that's pretty bad. Right. And and that's one of those things that makes me think that there is a little bit of an adjustment coming. I'm not freaked out. But what I will say is that he was such a steady and consistent contributor last year that it's a little weird to see such an uneven uh, performance thus far. I'm not necessarily worried and frankly i don't think there's really a need for him to look over his shoulder you know looking at a a game a season where we're going to struggle to win 70 games but it's something worth watching yeah i mean i think it's something worth watching just to see you know what happens but again i i still think it comes to the fact of like if we look at you know the stat cast data everything like that he's got you know a lower than expected batting average than he typically has um, his expecting batting average was 242, which is pretty low for, for 2022. Um, his um, expected weighted WOBA, though, is at 321. He was at 344 last year. So if I look at that, I look at that and say, yeah, he's probably chasing a little bit too much and probably extending out the, the plate a little bit too much. But when he's making contact with the ball, he's just as good as the player as he was last year. Um, so I think there's a few things that he needs to change. Um but man, he's hitting the ball really hard. I mean, he's got 16.7% barrels this year, um, which is just really solid contact. Last year was 8.1%. So I think it's I think it's just getting a little bit more patient at the plate discipline standpoint and not trying to have that clutch hit. Um, and he's definitely one of the more clutchy hitters so far this season. Um, and I think that'll turn around sooner rather than later. So you're telling me Cedric Mullins is okay. I'm saying in a very limited sample size, we should not get that concerned with Cedric Mullins. He has not even gone 50 plate appearances yet. Tell me everything is okay, Scott. Jake, everything's going to be fine. That's what I like to hear. Thank you. No problem. I appreciate that. All right, let's round second and head into third base. Yeah. Uh, next question. Yes. And and I would like you to remember that we just spoke about everything going to be okay. Yes. What is all this runners and scoring position business about? Um, it's the same thing. It's the aspect of people are pushing and forcing it. it it's the, it, the numbers are in their head. Um, again, it's it, over a long enough se- season, this cannot continue in the degree that it is. I mean, they're hitting what under a hundred right now for batting average with runners in scoring position. I think the lowest of all time is 200, um, by the San Diego Padres. Um, 
it's just it's not going to last is the best way to put it so it's more comical and humorous and when it actually does have success it's more of a situation just like we saw on sunday where everyone loses their mind is the best way to put it so it's hard to watch man it is hard to watch because it does get to the point where they'll put runners in second and third and you're like well i know they're not scoring yeah i mean coming into today um with men on base they had a 147 average not the worst in the league the arizona diamondbacks are the worst in the league right now at 140 um the new york yankees are at 191 uh the houston Astros are at 191 and the milwaukee brewers are at 203 now, if I'm looking at the Astros and I'm looking at the Yankees, and they're both at 191 as well, I say to myself, things like this happen. And in a small sample size, it stinks and it's terrible and it's extremely frustrating, but the Orioles are going to get together. I think the bigger concern I have is that the Orioles are really paramount right now on the big three. They're either striking out, walking, or they're supposed to be hitting for power. Um, they haven't really hit home runs, but they've been hitting a ton of line drives. So, I mean, I do think that's going to turn out to be home runs eventually. But I think if we're looking at runners in scoring position, the walks and the strikeouts are not great. And like I said, I, I know that's kind of counterintuitive in terms of walks because walks eventually will get you runs. But the other standpoint is it's not like the Orioles have a solid lineup top to bottom. So I do think that some pitchers may be pitching around certain folks to get to the bottom part of the order and being like, I'd rather go against Robinson Chirinos than to go against Urias or go against Ryan Mountcastle. Um, so I, I, I do think, you know, I, I, I do think that one thing the Orioles could work on to improve the running and scoring position is to try to employ that, you know, better play discipline. Um, it's interesting. You know, I've listened to the batting coaches in a few instances and they've talked about this aspect of, um, choosing your scenarios, pitch selection, and stuff like that. It doesn't seem like super advanced. So I don't know. It's really weird. And like I said, I was really expecting big things this year in terms of seeing all the minor league success it, from the batting standpoint. I don't know yet. I want to watch more. I'm not happy right now. Let's just say that much. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You, you started off you know, snarkily saying the numbers are in their heads. Do you think that a lot of this is in the space between their ears? I do. What do you think that says about leadership and coaching? Mm, I think it. I don't think there's a single leader and or coach aspect that can solve that. I think that's just players. Baseball players, especially, are extremely superstitious. Um, they're extremely anxious individuals. Um, I don't think there's anything that Brandon High could say. I think it would actually potentially even make the situation worse. <laughs> the, the reason I ask is because you and I keep having the conversation, how do we judge yeah. Brandon Hyde on a terrible team, right? How do we judge the manager when the outcome is already known? They're going to lose this season, right? For me, it's stuff like this that I find interesting. Okay, we've got this thing going on. As a club, you know, as a leader, as a person that owns that clubhouse, is there any lever that he can pull? Yeah to make this situation better and does he do it better or worse than the average yeah. major league manager and i go back to the basis of like how am i going to ju judge um you know Brendan high going forward and it's going to be a similar manner to how i judged buck showalter it's the standpoint of what are you doing over the long season in order for you not to burn through relief pitchers um i, I you know just basically dry hump them like you don't want to basically do that um and then also 
what are you doing in order to put them into situations where they can learn and adapt from it? Um, and Buck did a really great job with that for multiple years. He was a bullpen and, you know, mastermind up until 2016 American League wildcard. Um, I, I don't recall what you're talking I, about. I know. But again, if we look at um, bullpen management as a whole, um, Buck Walter was really good for 2012 through 2016. Um, so that's one thing that I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, what decisions he makes specifically with lineups. Uh, and then I'm also looking for what decisions does he make in terms of pinch hitting. I haven't been impressed so far with the pinch hitting standpoint. The lineup is pretty much set because you only have so many pieces. And you're going to obviously bat them at the front end of the order. Um, and the bullpen, I think, actually has been really good. I think that he's done a really nice job of bringing certain pitchers in in high leverage situations, namely the seventh inning, um, with some of the best relief pitchers. <laughs> also, I think you need to determine whether he is a man or a Muppet. No, I do not need to do that. I know now he is a man of a Muppet. All right. You mentioned pitching. Let's, especially with the bullpen, let's go ahead, go into home plate. Let's talk about the pitching because the pitching has been pretty good. In Fuego. It's been in extremely, extremely impressive. I mean, I don't know how to describe it of like it is. Okay, let, let's put it in numbers. I mean, it's the standpoint of like if we look at all Major League Baseball, um, the Orioles have a 2.81 ERA, a 3.06 FIP, a 3.74 uh, XFIP, they're good for 1.9 F war. And again, you know, looking at the peripherals, you know, I would say the only thing that really concerns me is, you know, their case per nine is average at best at 7.69. Their walks are a little high, 3.75. What really concerns me is their home runs per nine that they're giving up and their home run per fly ball is extremely low. And I would have to think that's going to balance out once we start to get into warmer weather, um, some hotter teams. So it's not going to be this good, folks. It's it, it's just it's not going to be. But there is some really good pitching going on. Like if we're looking at peripherals, we're looking at vertical movements, horizontal movement, um, specifically in the bullpen. There's some really interesting pitching going on right now in the starting roles. I think we're getting a little lucky, honestly. But in the bullpen, there's some filth that is being thrown. So. Yes, I co-sign all of that. Uh, my observations are as follows. Yes, yes, yes. The bullpen has been really impressive. Yeah. So many intriguing arms back there. And sure, you know, small sample size and all that kind of good stuff. But you look at the peripherals, you look at the stuff, and it passes the it passes the eye test. Yeah. Right? My concern, and we talked about it at the top with when we talked about John Means is how long can they continue to do that? Yep. Because if they, the starters continue to go out and... I call do, it Miguel Castro syndrome, where you look really good for two weeks, and then all of a sudden it vanishes. <laughs> well, you know, if you're being overused because the starters are going 4.1 innings, it's going to be that way. Yep. And you look at the guys that have gotten starts, and with the exception of Jordan Lyles, you know, we're not getting necessarily a ton of length from anybody. Some of that is is, you know, because of the labor situation and the short spring training. Sure. Okay, that that is a feasible excuse on the face of things. But when you look at the actual pitchers involved, how many games are we going to get from the likes of a Chris Ellis where he goes deep into a ball game? Not many, right? We have a lot of pitchers available to us who are decent um, openers, 
right? Yep. Or good piggyback candidates, you know? I think that's the big thing. I think piggyback candidates is the extremely interesting one. And I mean, we've got to talk about this. I mean, the first week, I think we, we mentioned it slightly. Keegan Aiken has been absolutely amazing. Lights out. Like lights out and just an absolute bulldog going out there. Um, and, you know, I, I won't take away anything also from like Dylan Tate as well has been really impressive. Um, and I'll be honest with you, like the first time we saw Dylan Tate and he was pitching in the 90s, I'm like, oh, no, like this is really bad. Um, but that was just a, a biomechanical issue, apparently, where he was having a weird release point. But Keegan Aiken, like there is you could have held a gun to my head and been like, Keegan Aiken is going to be a decent relief pitcher. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, OK, whatever you say. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's just a lot of intriguing um, bases. And I still come back to the the standpoint of, like I mentioned, the very beginning of the season. Felix Batista continues to impress me. Every single time he goes out to the mound and is pitching, I am extremely interested in Felix Batista going forward um, and just seeing what he can do. Yeah, no, absolutely. There are so many guys that are out there doing a job that they seem perfectly suited for, right? Uh, Perez is another one that's been really impressive to watch in the way that he's been used. I just, I hope that we can figure out enough of the starting rotation to be able to keep these guys at that level. Um, you know, it's my hope that that some of these starters get stretched out and stay stretched out to the point where we can get five innings from them each time. And I got to be honest, there's part of me that also hopes that we start seeing the kids come up. So I think that's the big question. You know, John Means is more than likely after the season. We don't have that, you know, fully guaranteed, but I mean, it seems like the writing is through the wall. Bruce Zimmerman, knock on wood, has been doing a really nice job. Um, Even, you know, the aspect of Jordan Lyles, he's been, you know, doing what he needs to do, which is going out there and putting up five innings um, and going forward. I can't imagine Spencer Watkins gets that many more starts. Um, I just don't see it. I know he had an okay game this week, um, but I just don't see it. Um, You know, Tyler Wells, I don't know about that either, honestly. Like, I think it's... One of theirs is going to be, you know, the fifth starter basis. Um, and I think it's just a matter of asking the question, at what point in May do the Oils bring up Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish? And Grayson Rodriguez, again, tonight had another um, great game. Um, everyone is asking when he's going to come up. I think it's the standpoint of the Oils need to get to mid-May, and then I think they're going to come up. I, I don't think they're going to do this but I, I still wonder to the back of my heart because i know mike elias is statistical but he's also a romantic as it relates to baseball i could easily see them be like we're holding off on grace Rodriguez, and we're going to bring up rutchman and grace Rodriguez on the same night and we're going to debut them together and have everyone lose their ever loving minds yeah i i that would be a great story but also i think it would it would uh take from each of them Right. Yes. It would be nice to give. Well, they've Adley. got they've got familiarity too with it. I mean, they yeah. they they worked together many times last year, um, and Adley stayed down at Bowie for a longer period of time than we were expecting. I think specifically to work with Grayson. Um, I think that was kind of a you guys need to build a repertoire, and like it's not going to really benefit you to go to Norfolk. Like, just do what you're doing in Bowie, and we'll bring you up at the end of the season. But we want you to build up that repertoire. I know that this team isn't built to win, right? It's not. And I'm not going to fool myself in, into that. But you think about what could have been 
Can you imagine a rotation where Bradish and Rodriguez come up? We have got a healthy John Means. Yep. You could look at a team that has a lot of pieces right there. Yep. Woof. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those aspects of you look at it and say, if you've got a Bradish, you've got a John Means, you've got a Grayson Rodriguez, you've got a Jordan Lyles potentially being a four starter, and then you have to figure out who's your fifth starter going to be. Uh, it gets extremely interesting really quickly. And then it gets into the question of, once again, who are going to be your position players that are going to push you over the edge? Um, and I think that's why people were so disappointed with this offseason. I mean, I know Carlos Correa was kind of a joke standpoint, but I think Orioles fans were looking for that positional player to indicate, yeah, we've got Bradish, we've got Grayson Rodriguez, we've got Rutschman. We're starting to build those pieces going forward. And I think that's the biggest hesitancy is, I think we're going to start to see the foundation form this year. And I think people wanted to see who's going to be that Nelson Cruz type player to turn this team into a 2014 Orioles once again. Yeah. The other thing is, is some of these guys who maybe pushed out uh, from an opportunity standpoint might be part of the package that brings those players here as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, going back to the dugout, you know, we talked last week when we were doing around the bases specifically about some of the good things um, that the Baltimore Orioles are doing and also some bad things that the Baltimore Orioles were doing. Um, one of those things that maybe the Orioles have kind of lost sight of um, came to our attention right before opening day. Um, so we're going to talk about that and, uh, you know, put on your thinking caps and uh, let's get let's get a little philosophical here. So there's a lot of changes on the ball field right now for the Baltimore Orioles. You know, people are coming, people are going, but the Orioles once again are, we'll call it, you know, not adopting to change in the practice they are. On last week's episode, we talked about some of the good thing that the Orioles were doing, uh, specifically in regards to going out and getting housing for the minor leaguers, something that we'll call it the Orioles um, dawdled on for years upon years. Um, and there's another policy uh, that was brought to our attention uh, right around opening day. Um, and we wanted to have, um, you know, an individual come on and talk about it a little bit. So we'd like to invite to the show uh, Heather Linnington Noble. Um, she's actually started a petition to talk about the current Camden Yards bag policy. Um, and they she has created a change.org petition. Um, and we wanted to invite her onto the show to uh, talk about uh, the given policy at this time. Um, and maybe some of the issues that surround it. So Heather, thanks so, so much for coming on for Bird's Eye View. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about this. Uh, thank you for giving me the platform. And uh, I know that uh, it can. this is something that seems obvious when you think about it, but it's also something that's really easy to not think about and just have it fly by you how it might affect people. So I appreciate the ability to be able to dive into it a little deeper and so that people really know how this is impacting everybody. So for, for anybody that might be listening that has no idea what <laughs> we're talking about, right? Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you walk us through the, the policy, what change was made, and then maybe we can talk about you know how that does impact us. Okay. So theoretically, this came about last year and it was last year, the Orioles adopted both the 
Um, they both banned outside food and beverages and they um, banned bags and started only allowing people to bring in five by seven clutch size bags. And for this season, one of the good things that they have done is that they've started allowing people to bring outside food and beverages back into the stadium in gallon size, clear plastic, like Ziploc bags. But they did not change their limitations on um, on bag size. And the bag size thing, it was theoretically all supposed to be a COVID safety protocol. That's what they claimed it was when it was announced. But if that was the case, it doesn't make any sense at this point to to still have this. And it's the second strictest policy in the league when it comes to bag size. And we have not gotten any justification for it. Um, so that that is what the policy is. Uh, and f- from there, we can go on to all the different ways that it affects people. But I wanted to just lay out the like, yeah, you know, basically... You can just bring something the size of a cell phone in and it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to just put your cell phone in there. Are you going to carry your cell phone in one hand? Yeah. All right. I could go on, but then I just start ranting and ranting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it comes to the aspect of, you know, for folks that have not been to Camden Yards yet, um, it's the standpoint of you'll be going to, you know, the gates specifically, you know, most, I think most people are coming in through Utah street at this given moment. Um, and again, if you're approaching, um, Utah Street, um, you know, I specifically are coming most of the time from MT Bank Stadium. You'll come across this, you'll come across signage, and then conveniently located right next to it at the left hand side is this garing, garing aspects of a bunch of lockers, like saying, Hey, by the way, um, we're making it extremely mm-hmm. difficult for you to bring bags and or any of your items into the stadium. Please rent this um, you know, locker out for the remainder of the game in order to store all the stuff that you may have wanted to bring to the stadium <laughs> and or wanting to bring back. So and have let- you have you looked at the price of those lockers? I have. I was I actually they went over and talked absurd. to them. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it's it's one of those matters of I was talking to the lady and again, you know, she indicated what the prices were. And, you know, I understand to a certain regard, there has to be potentially some cost associated with we'll call it manning that station. However, if you start adding up the total cost of and get it's probably close to about 50 to 60 lockers there, that is a massive revenue standpoint. Um, not even lockers that are owned um, by Maryland Stadium Authority or the Baltimore Orioles, but it's a rented out lockering area as well. Um, and again, you you made a really good point about this in the in the change.org petition. Um, it was almost this basis of like you were saying, like it's in essence a, a, a pink tax. A it's, pink tax. It's, it's, yeah. it's the aspect of we are um, allowing individuals to come to the stadium, but in order for you to enter into the stadium and in order for you to bring everything that allows you to be secure, um, you know, as an individual in that area, uh, you're required to pay an additional fee, uh, just like you would a ticket master, ticket master surcharge um, in order to enter into the stadium. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's just I think about this and I get frustrated. It, it would be a lot easier if women's clothing were like men's clothing and that we had all of these pockets that could fit everything inside of them. But I mean, my full size purse probably doesn't have as much room in it as a lot of men's pockets do. And I'm not even talking about like cargo pants. I'm talking about just like standard jeans y'all have a lot of room in your pockets i'm jealous it's pretty impressive well we have pretty much nothing or nothing at all and so you end up having to make this choice when you're given this limitation this five by seven limitations like what can you bring with you 
So you, you've got essentials. You, you have, if you drove, you have to bring a key. You need your phone and you need something to pay things with. And if all of that can't fit in a bag and if you have other things and you might end up just like needing to pay $10 for the cheapest lockers, the cheapest lockers were $10, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. It's, it's $10 per locker. And and again, it's the aspect of there's probably a good 60 or so right. at Camden Yards. Um, and it's just these conversations of like, all right, are we really nickeling diming this given situation? And again, you know, we talk about the aspect of uh, individuals um, that are basically being put under this, whether it's a female or even non-binary standpoint in terms of basically making those clothing choices. And I think it's just a mm-hmm. really interesting standpoint, like you said, of like, I go to the stadium, I put on my jeans, I put on my my, my khaki pants. And yes, I've got four pockets, it, minimum is the best way to put it, on yeah. any of my pants. Um, I think I'm out of the cargo pants era at this point of my life. Um, <laughs> I have to say I was really big on that in the 90s. Is It'll the best all way to put come it. back around. I, that's what my, you know what? You, you say that and your son is listening to Nirvana now. And I'm like, wow, that's it all comes around. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it just comes down to, you know, me and Jake are... Um, you know, fathers, you know, we are the aspect of we're taking our kids to the games and stuff like that, too. And, you know, I remember kind of growing up as well um, with my dad. And again, we would bring bags in, we would have a backpack in. It just, again, it, it if we're going to be instituting this, you know, environment where everyone feels welcomed, families want to be welcomed, everything like that. Um, even the aspect of you put it out there, like individuals that have sensory issues as well, from a sensory processing standpoint, whether it be um, autism spectrum disorder or ADHD or ADHD, um, it just makes a lot more sense to, for the environment to be more inclusive. Um, yeah. And John Angelus has talked about this aspect of wanting to create an inclusive environment, even in the aspects of like what songs are going to be played during the seventh inning stretch. Right. I, I think it's interesting on, on two, two folds. The, the first is that we have to be honest about the fact that security at Camden Yards is not security. It's security theater. Yes. Right. If this mm-hmm. is about making us safe at the ballpark, the team is not doing anything that's going to meaningfully impact our security. And so I would appreciate it if they wouldn't, um, if they wouldn't mask things in terms of security. It's, it's insulting for everybody involved. The second thing that I'm concerned about with this is that I also look at a policy that says everything that you bring into the ballpark needs to be in a clear plastic bag is a privacy issue, right? Um, and right. when we talk about, the difference between, you know, guys having pockets and, and everybody else having to use a clear plastic bag. Nobody knows what medication I'm bringing into the ballpark in my, in my pockets. Nobody knows, you know, anything about what's, what I'm bringing to the ballpark and why should that be different for anybody else? And that's, there's a good reason for that because no one wants to know what kind of medication you're on, anything like that. Nobody wants wants to see into my pockets and that's fine. But, (laughs) you know, I, I look at it as, as an, you know, equal access to the full experience and it's just a it's just a dumb reason it is a dumb reason to have this problem right yeah and i I just keep thinking about the fact that there are there's there's a group of things that i like to bring with me to every game and I i like to have my phone with me i like to have a sharpie i like to have my um my id and my credit card I like to have my um, an external battery pack and my phone charger cable. 
We have like now that. met the threshold of the five by seven, by the way. Like there's nothing yes. else getting oh, in there. <laughs> far, far beyond it. Correct. I, mean, I have to have my car key. I like to have um, lip balm because my lips get really dry. And then sometimes if I can, I like bringing a little thing. I have a little booklet of uh, baseball cards so that I can get them signed before and after games. And it, it, this is not an extraordinary amount of things. It's not an unreasonable amount of things to want to bring to a game with me, but it is far more than can fit in a bag. It is. My husband could easily fit it in the pockets, all of it in the pockets of his pants, I do not own clothing that I could put all of this in the pockets of. And it, it just shouldn't be a big deal. Oh, and to top that off, I, I have chronic pain issues. And so I also have meds that I bring with me. And I definitely don't want people seeing what those meds are because some of them are pain medications that I don't want people knowing that I have. So I do get to go through the med line if I want to, but I also don't want to have to go through that line. I don't want to have to wait in a line that has a hundred people in it. Most of whom are like these big families who are all going in together. When I just have this little bag of stuff, it doesn't make any sense. Like this, this isn't helping anybody. And, and so, you know, here we are talking about it and really our, our options are to, you know, publicly shame the team. Uh, yeah. and which and, we've been doing for about 10 years at this point. So I mean, <laughs> they're, they're shame proof. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, the only thing that we can do is point out, you know, how, how pointless and unfair it is. And also to take the steps to, to try to point out that the policy needs to be changed. I, I'd be very curious to see what the team's official response to the petition would be. And, you know, Heather, I, w- I would also encourage you to write the team, right? Demand a, right. a response back from somebody yeah. at the team on Oriole's letterhead uh, yeah. that knows th- that way, you know, that they've acknowledged this issue. About well, to say, how many times have you done that? And how many times have they, <laughs> has that gone into the filing cabinet at, at the yeah. warehouse? <laughs> I, I have yet, I have yet to contact the team itself, but I have spoken to my season ticket representative about this more times than I can possibly tell you and he has been so patient with me he also told me that this issue was the issue that season ticket representatives got the most feedback about last season out of any issue was the the bag ban so they got feedback about that and they got feedback about the outside food and beverages and they let people bring in outside food and beverages again but even though they got the most feedback about the the bag ban and they passed that along to everybody and they still didn't overturn it. I, this is something that I noticed last season that people were upset about. So I feel strongly about it, but I didn't take up this crusade because I was like, I'm going to singly single handedly speak for people and just assume that I know what everybody's feelings about this are. I did it because of the fact that, Everybody I knew on Twitter was freaking out about it and was really upset. And I was like, well, there's not all that much I can do, but I will take whatever steps that I can. So I started talking to my season ticket rep and I was like, what can you recommend that I do that might help at all? Or at least might leave some sort of paper trail or something. So he told me to start taking testimonials from people So I started collecting them on my Twitter account last year. And I think I got like 40 or 50 people to message me anywhere from like, 
three or four sentence long responses to why they were upset about it. Just people, some people sent me really long diatribes about why they were upset. And I compiled them all into an email that I sent along to him so that he could pass that on as well. And he could hear from some people who aren't just season ticket holders. Um, well, I think, you know, for all seven people uh, listening in their mother's basements to this podcast, uh, th the <laughs> plea that I would make, at least, is to have them reach out to you on Twitter, to have them reach out to the team independently, as well as reaching out to you yeah. to make sure that we can amplify the message. Because to your point, they were late on making some changes, right? We, we praised mm -hmm. them for the, the return of the bag poli or the uh, food policy. We, you know, praise them for keeping, you know, kids cheer free and, and the other things that they're doing that, that is good. It may take longer than we like, but I do think right. that is an avenue to get this kind of feedback into a meaningful way to the team. Yeah. And people have clearly figured out that there are things that you can do in order to be able to bring in whatever size bag you want into the stadium. And that involves getting in the line and waiting in it. The problem is, and I was talking to you guys about this before we started recording, but I'm doing it again, um, is that the line for bag check is the same as the ADA line. So you have everybody who has to bring in bags because they have their have breastfeeding or they have diaper bags or they have big groups of kids or they have medications or whatever they stay stand in the same line that everybody does who is in a walker or a wheelchair the line that's supposed to make it more accessible for people with disabilities to get into the park is the one that has ended up being the longest and the slowest moving because you know what you can't go as a family with three kids with you without bringing a bag with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You can't do it. It's not possible. I'm not even a parent. Yeah. I'm not a parent, but I am. As a parent of three, aware. I can yeah. tell you it's ugly if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have enough awareness to know this. You've got to bring stuff for kids to do because they don't, they're as even when they love baseball, there's only so much attention that they can spend on one thing. And then you've got, I have to say, others, even yeah. I, even I got to bring the fidgets for uh, for Jake on occasion, just so that he can be popping them and, and keeping it keeping his attention going when we're watching the game. So, um, but yeah, the, for the for the general audience, though, the team has figured the, this out in the past. You know, in the post September 11th world, this is yeah, this shouldn't be hard. This, this shouldn't, shouldn't be, be hard. hard again, the Orioles have had the policy before. They were at 16 by 16 by eight, which again has been readopted by many a teams. It's time to start moving back to uh, a little bit of normalcy again. We are our big aspects on the aspect of being COVID cautious and stuff like that. Um, and we've been talking about that for, for several years now. But this one, like, like you mentioned before at the very beginning, Heather, this one doesn't hold um, hold air, just like the food and beverage policy last year didn't hold any air as well. It, it's time to, in essence, go back and, to the standard. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I know that this is me being all like a feminist raw sexism, but come on. If this is supposed to be a security thing, why are you guys targeting something that is mostly applies to women when it's men who are more likely to bring a weapon into the stadium? Yeah. So it, it makes no sense. You guys are punishing women and non-binary folk for bringing our bags into the stadium 
in order to potentially keep dudes from bringing stuff in when they can just put it in their big ass cargo pocket. Yep. Like, and like I said, there's various area, other aspects, even the aspects of like, you know, just men's clothing in general, both in terms of like a hooded sweatshirt or stuff like that. Like there is so right. many um, different avenues that, that are available on that basis. Um, you know, for folks, again, you know, I think the biggest aspect from a change standpoint, again, is going to change.org. Um, we're going to post the link for the change.org petition um, on the website, but also go to change.org, search for Baltimore Orioles, reverse the Camden Yards bag ban. Um and again, sign up. It just requires you to put your you know, first name, last name, email. And again, it's great if you can write a comment. Like I said, the comment aspect is going to be read um, by the Orioles front office. Um, the more they see this and not just signatures, but actually commentary, it's going to help kind of drive yes. this change going forward is the best way to put it. Yeah. And, they, and the more games that I go to, the more important I feel like this is i mean i know that there are ways to get around it you can carry a bunch of stuff in your arms with a with a, re, a reusable bag or a canvas bag or whatever and then dump it all in. you shouldn't have to do that yeah and people sh- and they shouldn't have this clogged up ada line so that everybody who needs to can get through it it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable and honestly it's actually a really good conversation because i talked to somebody about it at at opening day uh, I mean, Heather, I've got the the the, the change.org aspect like, on my phone right now. And I'll talk to somebody about it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that sounds dumb. Like, why are they doing that? And I'm like, well, if you think that's the case, like, here's here's a change.org aspect. Like, why don't you go ahead and sign it? So I actually got two people to sign up for it on opening day after just talking to them in line. Um, I, have, I have actually, con- I, and I wrote it up and I haven't done it yet, but I have considered printing out a paper petition yeah. that has the same thing on it with just lines and places for people to write little comment and taking it to Camden Yards with me on game days and just walking around and being like, I Hey, think, would you sign this? I think we, I mean, I think it's one of those aspects where like, I think you've got to do it in a certain manner within Camden Yards because the team is right. very interesting as they relate to things. But again, we always talk about baseball being this aspect of white noise. I mean, you talked about it within your petition where like people generally like to come to the baseball game, even just to sit down, do their homework, knit and stuff like that too conversation and change of a given community is something that certainly can happen within a baseball environment. Um, and I think there's no better way than to do it than by making a change of community within Camden Yards itself while being in Camden Yards. So I would certainly advocate for any fans that are listening to this, you know, mention it. Like if someone is coming in or you see, you know, something, someone coming in, which their aspect and they're juggling everything in their hands, um, make mention it to and saying, Hey, um, it's really unfortunate that this is the case. Like it didn't used to be this way. Um, maybe if we can come back together. Uh, we can all stand together and basically make a change accordingly. And um, this is a little bit on the snarkier uh, hey, side. Hey, that is our brand. Bring it. But, <laughs> like I have been thinking about on one of my dresses or skirts, just like sewing a few enormous pockets on them and wearing those to games and just like putting everything from my person side and being like, what? I don't have a purse with me. These are my pockets. These are my pockets. So it's like the- these are my pockets. So if anybody who is listening to this and likes to sew and doesn't have much in the way of uh, pockets in their clothing wants to join me and just sew like one enormous pocket in the front or the side of a dress or a skirt of theirs and just be like, this is my pocket. These are my pockets. 
It's like the people that go into public transportation with the bag, like the giant bag with like the Labrador retriever inside. It's like, what? It's a purse toe. I just prefer, we can call it, we can call it the cargo dress, basically. Right, right, exactly. I'm just like, this is my cargo dress. It's just like that dude's shorts. Yeah. I don't have a purse. This is my cargo dress. And once you enter into the pockets, it's COVID free in there. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Heather, like I said, I appreciate you kind of, you know, writing the petition, bringing this to our attention. Um, Like I said, it's definitely a a cause that, you know, reading into it, it makes complete sense why um, this change needs to be done. Um, So folks, remember, uh, go check it out on uh, unchange.org. It's reverse the Camden Yards bag ban. Sign the petition. Talk to folks around your section if you're season ticket holders. Um, Again, season ticket holders talk. um, And again, they're the ones that are going to really make this happen. So um like i said make that change happen <laughs> and the more season ticket holders who message or email or call their reps about it the better absolutely both of them but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the reason that we found out about this though was obviously through your uh through twitter and your great twitter follow we've been following for a while uh, if people want to reach out to you either about this or just to chat baseball with you where can they find you uh, yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at, man, it's not pronounceable, so I'm not going to try that. <laughs> Go, that's okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce it, so uh, it's Irish. Okay. Um, at A-L-A-I-N-N-F-O-C-I-A-L. I was really hoping for an Irish accent for just for a second, but that's yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, maybe someday I'll... I'll Google how to pronounce those two words. and I don't feel so bad for not knowing what the heck it said. That's good. Well, I mean, yeah. you're not Irish. I mean, you're, it, you're, oh, you're partially Irish now? Okay, well, good. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the OIC is probably a, like, shuh sound or something, so. I'm, now you're going to get us hate tweets for not understanding. That's a good point. I, Thanks a lot. Yeah. Pat. Yeah. To say yeah. all right so huge important issue we definitely want people to, to reach out but before we, le- we let you go we we have to ask what are your thoughts on the season so far and where do you think things are going um astonishing pitching but that this change that they made with the pitcher the catching framing has worked some i would say minor miracles but it's more like major miracles and then the offense is inexcusable. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely inexcusable. I do a lot of defending this team and will stand up for them for a lot, but they just, just like send them all down, bring up new people. It's just cannot keep putting this same product on the field offense wise, but the pitching looks like the, they're up there with the top teams in the league there it's not as fun when you don't have an offense <laughs> it's it's not as fun whatsoever it's it's almost like uh if we get a good offense we have a bad pitching if we've got bad pit, good pitching we've got a bad offense um that was you that just was, can't get it all in birdland is the best way to put we, it we had at this point last season and i think i tweeted this out um we had given up like 58 runs and scored 50 whereas this season, we'd uh, given up 30 runs and scored 23. Hey, you know, we could have so. used those additional few games at the beginning, beginning of the season to you know stretch it all out. But yeah, like, it's been it's been a, a rough mess is the best way to put it. So, yeah. 
All right. Well, Heather, thanks so much for coming on Bird's Eye View to talk about it. Like, again, folks, check it out on change.org. Reverse the Canyon Yards bag ban. We're looking for support here from season ticket holders and from any Orioles fan, really. Um, But yeah, check it out on change.org. Heather, thanks so much for joining us on Bird's Eye View. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You know what that means. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week. And my good is West Coast baseball. I love me some West Coast baseball. And look, Baltimore Orioles won today here on Wednesday. They lost on Tuesday night. Uh, It was a close game. It was an entertaining game to watch, frustrating at times. But there is nothing like having the rest of the house settle off to go to bed Settling down on the couch, maybe with a beverage, and enjoying some some quality one on one time with the baseball team. So I know it was a close game on 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 Tuesday night. Did you feel like they had a chance through the entire game? No. Okay. No. It so, was. So it was, didn't have that feel yet for you. No, no. It had. It it was one of those games where uh, they scored a run, and as soon as the other team scored two runs, you were like, "Well, I can go to bed now." Right. But I'm I'm just gonna finish now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so my good for the week has to go to the Orioles beating the Yankees. Like, that's great. And also, again, you know, shutting them out. Um, it, there's, there's very few things I enjoy more than, um, just the whole basis of beating the Yankees, beating them at home, shutting them out and seeing Yankees fans just literally lose their mind. Um, so my good for the week is going to go to the Orioles beating the Yankees at Camden Yards. All right. Fair enough. Uh, my bad for the week is uh, the ongoing discussion that I have continued of runners in scoring position. I just want it to go away. I want to harp on something else. Gosh, I'm just waiting for the other foot to fall. Runners in scoring position has been so brutal to watch, particularly with the pitching doing as well as it, as it has, as we just discussed. Uh, my bad this week, runners in scoring position. Yeah, my, my bad's going to go to... Um there's there's a lot of choices, but I think it's going to go to Ryan Mountcastle, honestly. Um, you know, Ryan Mountcastle should be one of those individuals at the top end of the lineup um, that is pr- producing um, offensively really well. Um, and this past week, he didn't. I mean, in 25 plate appearances, he posted a 2.8 average, a 2.40 on base percentage, a 41 runs created plus. I mean, he is, you know, slightly worse than what Cedric Mullins is right now at a 55. But again, I, I need Ryan Mancastle to find that power once again. The power numbers have dropped off immensely. Um, I don't know what's going on, um, but Ryan Mancastle needs to figure it out and uh, start hitting some dongs again. Can I get a bonus ban? Yeah, sure. Is that allowed? That's we, allowed. We're going to break the rules yeah. here. Uh, I've been really disappointed with Ramon Urias at the plate. Yeah. He is a guy who last year I was like, you know what? Maybe we got a little steal of a player here. Yeah. You know, he he can really be trusted. Uh, and and I looked at him and I was like, maybe this is the Ryan Flaherty of the you know next Buckle Up Birds era. Uh, not showing it. Not, not not at all. I mean, one hundred average, one eighty two on base percentage, negative fifteen weighted runs created plus. Um, those are JJ Hardy numbers. Um, oh, that's not nice. But uh, no, that's not nice. But again, just you're absolutely right. Urias um, was a, and again, I still point back to, I think Urias is still a really interesting at bat at mm-hmm. the plate. 
But you're absolutely right. He has not been performing whatsoever. Um, and that's extremely disappointing. Um, he's just going to continue to slide down the order. I don't think he'll ever get to the ninth spot, but he's going to have to be in that seventh or eighth spot for the time being until he can find the bat again. Um, but again, you're finding a lot of players now that are, we'll call it below league average. Um, and again, that's something the Orioles are going to have to fix um, in order for them to be have any success this year whatsoever. I feel bad for Brandon Hyde. I can't bat everybody ninth. Absolutely. Um, well, you gave a bad. What's your ugly then? My ugly for this week has to go to Travis Lakin Sr. Look, I, I don't want to pile on because I was already mouthy on Twitter about it. Uh, but in a, ro- in a rotation that is surprisingly not awful in a bullpen that has been, frankly, stellar, he is the odd man out. And when you look at the new identity of Orioles pitching and how exciting that can be. And I'm talking about the bullpen here. Mm-hmm. Lakins represents, I think, the the older transitional period. And he he's not necessary. He's not needed. There are enough arms in this organization that are more exciting. I'm ready for the Lakins era to be over. Yeah. My ugly, and it doesn't it's not this person's fault, but it's gotta be John Means. Like John Means getting injured is extremely ugly. I mean when the news came out last week, I was just like, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And then when the news was confirmed by Hyde, I was just like, it was bad. Um, so it's just really an ugly situation. Like I said, we haven't seen the full ramification of it yet. I think people are kind of putting blinders on and just like enjoying the ride, as it were, from the pitching staff right now. I mean, all the bullpen, also the bullpen as well. But it's going to get really ugly really quickly. And like I said, I really hope that, you know, Grace Rodriguez and Bradish are able to come up sooner rather than later in order to save it. I don't know. I don't know if there's any other way that the Orioles can get through the entire season unless they bring up Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish. Um, so help me, G-Rod. You're my only hope. Jeez. Yikes. Yeah. All right. With that, we've gotten the good, some bonus bad and some ugly. Let's take a quick break. Come back and blow the save. All right, Jake. So uh, I saw a tweet um, come out yesterday from a fan that was in attendance at the Houston Astros game. Um, security came down to him. He was standing with the bases loaded, cheering on the team. Uh, and security came up and said, hey, we need you to sit down. You're blocking people behind you that are not standing up. So, Jake, I have a question for you. Um, when is it appropriate to stand up at a baseball stadium um anytime you get excited okay i thought you were gonna say that and well i appreciate that enthusiasm (laughs) um there are a few caveats we have to put on some unwritten rules um as it relates to in baseball no go on yes um so jake it's absolutely right that if you get excited over play on the field it is absolutely an appropriate standpoint to stand up and cheer for your team However, there are a few instances when security should be called specifically to indicate you need to sit down. I'm terrified already and yet intrigued. One of these instances is 
when the individual that is passing out concessions, whether it's your bear man or you know the hot dog man, um, you do not need to stand up in order to accept the beer or to accept the food. The whole aspect is you pass your money or pass your credit card to them, they take care of it, and they pass it down to you. It is almost like they are coming through the stands so that you don't have to stand up and go out to the concourse to get the food. Let them do their job. Don't do their job for them. Some other instances of would be if the pitch is about to be thrown, do not stand up in front of the people right behind you and block them from seeing the pitch. Really frustrating um, and really annoying, especially for an individual that has kids. Um, You know, it's already tough enough for them to see it. Standing up like that is a really bad aspect. But most importantly, in a stadium, one is to never, ever, ever, ever stand up in the stadium if the wave is occurring. If the wave is occurring, you were to remain seated at all times and not partake in such a ridiculous activity such as the wave. You got me. You got You're absolutely right. So, folks, you know, go and stand. Be proud within your stadium, but do it under the right conditions. Follow the unwritten rules of standing at the stadium. Yes. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over the socials. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the, the ticks, and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.